Welcome to My Life Chassidus Applied, episode 362. This program is dedicated in loving memory of Tzvi Daniel ben Yehudit and Ita bat Miriam. May their children and siblings be consoled and blessed with great, great strength in these trying times. Yes, indeed, our hearts, our tears have been crying first out of hope and then hearing the tragic news from Surfside, the collapse in Surfside. And uh, we don't have answers. All we can really do is offer support, strength. We're now also the beginning of the nine days and not in any way, God forbid, suggesting that the nine days is predisposed and predestined for any tragic events. But the fact is that this is the saddest period in the Jewish calendar. And as such, it reflects disasters and tragedies that have happened Let's go back thousands of years, as the Talmud and Tainus, the Mishnah and the Gemara explain, course, leading up to the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash and then the second Beis HaMikdash on the 9th of Av, the saddest day, next Sunday. However, we all know, and this is the most important message of all, that the narrative does not end with destruction or with tragedy. It's a bigger story, a bigger picture. We don't understand God's mysterious ways. We don't understand death. We don't even understand life or birth. But we do know that we are here to talk about it. And as such, as much as we argue with and complain to God, we also thank God for giving us life, for being able to speak about it, for being able to cry. And we know that the destruction of both temples ultimately is going to lead to the building of the third and permanent Beis HaMikdash. And that we don't have to wait can happen right now immediately, and then Tishabov will be turned into the greatest holiday. Moyed Gadl, the Medrash says. Because in the language of Chassidus, in the language of Chassidus, the Tzimtzum, which is the first, if you want to put it, dissonance, the disconnect, where God concealed his presence in order to create an independent consciousness like ourselves, so we can fulfill the purpose of creation, making a dir b'tachtenim, a home for the divine in this material world. But that symptom, that concealment, created dissonance. It created a separate entity, in our, from our perspective at least, which led and had the potential to lead to all the tragedies. Because when God is in a, godly consciousness is seamless and revealed, there's no room, not only is there no room for tragedy, there's no room for altogether anything that is independent or separate. The fact that the fact that there is a, the fact that that we have the ability to be ourselves, which also leads to free will to be able to hurt each other and to be able to be divisive, God forbid, which leads to all different forms of destruction, is all a result of that. But we know that the tzimtzum is not an end in itself. Concealment is never an end in itself. It's a stepping stone. Bishvil hagili. The concealment is for a greater revelation. So, as we stand now in these nine days, and people ask the question, what can you say to the families grieving the losses of their loved ones in the Surfside collapse? We say the following. We don't have answers. The mysteries remain, deep mysteries. And we even argue, the Rebbe would say, God could have always done it a different way. But we do have our response and our answer is not a logical reason why but we're here together instead of answers we're giving each other strength that's what we give each other and there's strength in the fact that you console and you comfort and you love and you rise above pettiness and above the superficial parts of our material existence and you really connect because at the end of the day we are all children of God. We're all connected and we need each other. And in moments like this is what we do. We come together and we strengthen each other. Of course there's a temptation and tendency. Why? 
But we'll never find an answer to that question. We figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to be stronger? We are here. How are we going to take and know that there's a spark and bring that spark alive? This is what we do in times. And this is an answer, not just the Surfside tragedy, of course, is prominent right now. And I don't want to call it a just, but I meant to say not only, but every one of us, people know in their hearts and souls what they're going through. Everyone has their challenges, some harsher than others. Some are microcosmic, very personal. Some are more macrocosmic. And that's what we learn from the nine days as well. It gives us strength. Yes, there have been days of grieving for thousands of years of the events that happened all the way back in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu when the Jews left Egypt. The first Tishabov was when the scouts came back with a bad report about Israel and they made and incited all the Jews to cry. And that became a Pchila Deiris, crying for generations. And the other tragic events. But the end of the story, what does it all lead to? To become stronger than ever. That which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. So all this comes to converges and comes together in this period of time. And it has a tremendous lessons for us in human resilience and human strength. And ultimately, our deepest connection to that which is invulnerable. Because that's what happened to the Jewish people through all these three weeks and the nine days. What happened was that we became stronger people. And as I said, we're here to talk about it. So that's what we say to the families. And we look inside our own hearts and focus not on the nonsense and not on the distractions and not on the pettiness and all the other things that really have no true value and focus on the love, on the connections, the connection to Hashem, to God, and what God expects of us because we are partners in this process. That's why there's a symptom in the first place, to allow us to be partners. And partnership has its risks, so to speak. I say risks. Partnership has its own set of circumstances. We have, to, we have free will. And we can choose to connect, or God forbid, the opposite. Why were the temples destroyed, especially the second temple? Due to sinas china, baseless hatred. What's the counter force to that? Baseless love. So when structures are crumbling, we build our structures even deeper, both phys physically and figuratively, and metaphorically, in the connection that we make with each other. So with that, let's go into some of the questions that people have written and asked the Chassidus applied to the nine days. This is the focus of our time, so Chassidus has much to say about the nine days. What lessons does this time period have for us? So many, many lessons. Some of them I've mentioned. I'll just take it even on a deeper level. When you look at the nine days as part of the three weeks, the three-week period that began with the 17th of Tammuz, and concludes with the 9th of Av. 17th of Thomas, as we discussed in previous weeks, the walls of Jerusalem were breached, as well as four other tragic events, as the Mishnah and the Talmud enumerate in Mesech the Tainus. The nine weeks intensifies the sadness of the three. The nine days, I should say, intensifies the sadness of the three weeks. So the three weeks has its limitations. We don't do weddings and other celebrations. But in the nine days, it gets stronger as they got closer to the destruction. Now, mind you, when it first happened, the years of when the temples were destroyed, the Jews had three weeks to do tshuva. But it didn't happen, unfortunately. So the nine days, we don't eat meat. And many other laws that prohibit certain behaviors, going swimming and other things like that, because we're recognizing and we're sensitive and we're humbled by these events. But it's critical to remember, at the same time, it's critical to remember the positive side to it. And this is one of the great contributions that the Rebbe introduced. You know, most people, the nine days, the three weeks, you lick your wounds and get through it until we move to the next stage. The Rebbe, that was not enough. It's not enough just to bypass it, or it's not enough just to get through it. We have to transform it. 
to transform grieving and mourning to joy and celebration. Yehovchu, not just to get, be, get beyond it, but to transform it. That's the only way you do justice. And transforming it is by finding every possible way that we can celebrate according to Torah and Halacha. Obviously, that which is not allowed is not allowed. So what does the Munkat Sharaba, the Minchas Salazar say? The Gemara says, Kishem Shekishanichnas of my Mayatim Besimcha, Kain, Mishanichnas Oder Marbim Besimcha. Just as when Ov enters the month of Ov, when Mayatim we diminish in joy, so too, when we enter the month of Oder, which is the alter ego, so to speak, of Ov, we increase in joy, says the Minchas Salazar. Read it this way. You're memayet in the of, in the things that are the negative of this month, besimcha, through joy. Now again, of course, all halachically, explains the Rebbe as he cites that statement and many others. Do you do that to p'kudei Hashem Yishari Masam Chilev? By doing Torah, studying Torah and, being, and performing mitzvahs, which bring joy. And hence, the minig, started by the Rabbeim, before the Rebbe, to make siyumim during these days. What's a siyum? You learn a mesechta, a tractate, and you come to the conclusion, that's a simcha, a sudas mitzvah. So some eat meat. When you make a siyum, you're allowed to eat meat, even in the nine days. The Rebbe Rashab's custom was not to eat meat. But the joy, the focus on the joy, and that's completely acceptable. You're learning Tehidi, you finish a tractate, so you a simcha. That Sion, Zion, is redeemed through Mishpat, through Torah, especially Halacha. And Veshava is captives through Tzedakah, charity. So you find every possible way. You say a kind word to someone. You give a needy person a little charity. You help somebody. These, these are not prohibited on nine days. On the contrary, what better time when we are recognizing the divisiveness that led to destruction, what better time is to show unity? So there you see that even though the nine days we need to grieve, just like sitting Shiva. When you sit Shiva, a person can't just say, hey, you know, I trust God, and God said, this happened, I accept it. No, you have to sit, you have to recognize, we have to be humbled and saddened and not just move on. At the same time, you can't sit shiva more than seven days. Because it's a balance. It's allowing ourselves to experience the pain and the loss. The only way out is through. We're not ignoring it. And becoming more sensitive as a result. The living shall take to heart. But at the same time, it also knows and tells us that there's a, something comes afterwards. And what comes afterwards? Tuba of the 15th of Av, the seven weeks of Nacham, Shiva de Nechemta, Nachamu Nachamu Ami, beginning with Nachamu Nachamu Ami. It's all part of the story. And yet, the Tush and Chamisha Asabav, no, there's no holiday as great as Chamisha Asabav and Yom Kippur. Because we don't look at things as a frame by frame. We do what we need to do in that period of time, but we see it as a larger narrative leading to the gula, a permanent gula, where there will be no longer any tears or any sadness or any grief. Which leads to the next question. Why do we refer, dear Rabbi Jacobson, why do we refer to the month of Av as Menachem Av? Is there a connection to the Rebbe whose first name was Menachem? As I just said, Menachem Av. Av represents the negative events. The Shalor writes that Av is Rosh Tevis, an acronym for Edem Bova. The second temple was destroyed by Edem, the Romans. Magdiel Zuremi was a grandchild of Esav. Esav is Edem. And the first temple was destroyed by Bez, Bovel. So all of Bez is Edem Bovel. Menachem Av tells us and focuses, it's about not about the of, it's about consoling, comforting, elevating of. There's a mimer in this period of time, said by the Rebbe Rashab in the year Eter, Tafresh Ayin, 
which is equivalent to the year 1910, where he speaks about how of is reflective of the negative forces, comes Menachem of and Menachemet. Not just, again, by, we, move, um, we move on, we find deeper comfort. And of course, the Rebbe's name reflects what the Rebbe contributed was Menachem a whole generation after World War II. And the destruction, the Churban, the Holocaust, comes the Rebbe leader in Tafshin Yud 71 years ago. 70 years ago is when he formally accepted the leadership, assumed the leadership with the Maimar Basilagani. And what did the Rebbe do? He's Menachem a generation, as his name implies. But more than just Menachem, it wasn't just comforting. It was we can go ahead and become greater than ever, and we will conquer the world. The day Rashvi, bring Mashiach, bring Geula. So of course the Rebbe never spoke about himself. That was not the Rebbe's approach. Chassidim clearly understood the Rebbe's name and the many different sikhs where he talks about Menachem of, the emphasis on the Menachem of, of not just on the negative of, of. And of course, as I mentioned, after Tishabov comes the next Shabbos, Shabbos Nachmu, Nachmu, Nachmami, a double Nachal, Nachmu. Like Akiva Nechamtani, Akiva Nechamtani, the end of Mesech Tamakis. Akiva saw the larger narrative and he smiled. He also sat Shiva, he also rent his garments, he tore his garments, the Gemara says. But he saw more than just the tear. He saw how it all leading to a greater reality. Is there significance that the only death in the Torah where it notes the exact time and place is that of Aaron, where it says, Rishchidosh of? So yes, the, the Torah talks about, Pasha Chukas talks about how Aaron passed away and Rishchidosh of. Even Moshe, we know it from the Gemara, but it doesn't say specifically what day in Chumash, in Torah Shabbik And the answer is absolutely yes. But to just add more to the story, we also know the yard site of the Arizal is the fifth of Ov. The yard site of Rajbi is in another sad period in the Sphere of Seimer, Lagba Emer. When we also don't make weddings and other celebrations due to the epidemic that killed 24,000 students of Rabbi Kiva for what? For divisiveness. For not showing respect to one another. How do we explain this? Well, we know God precedes every illness with a cure. He will never send an illness without first sending a cure. We may not see it immediately, but it's there. Since the nine days reflect the sinas chinam, the divisiveness, that led to the destruction of the temple, and in general leads to all things that are not positive. Because God blesses us when we're all one. What is a healthy body? When all the organs and limbs are all working, working, coordinated, and aligned with one another. What is disease and illness and death, God forbid, when there's disconnect, when there's dissonance? So who better to reflect the cure, the refuah, to the nine-day negativity and disconnect is Aaron. As the Mishnah says, have a of Be from the students of Aaron. Oyev shalom of shalom. Love shalom, peace and harmony and pursue it. Pursue shalom. Love the creations, as the Alter Rebbe says in chapter 20, 32 in Tanya. Bries, even if you don't see in any obvious way, any other quality, but they're Brias of the Ebersht. God created them. That alone suffices that they deserve love, unconditional love. That's Adam. The first two letters of Adam connect to Avram. Chesed. Koyin is a chesed, kindness. So Adam, Rishchidosh of, as we enter into the saddest period, we have Adam that stands for us. And stands up for on behalf of us, as the Alter Rebbe says in the Gersa Kedish, twenty-seven and especially twenty-eight. Then the day of the Yartzeit of Atzadik, all is Avedin. What he did gathers together and pale Yeshua's bekerav It affects 
Yeshua's redemption, salvation, it's not just on earth, it's in the depths, in the abyss itself. So Rosh as we enter into the nine days. And five days later comes Arizal. What is Arizal? Arizal, Primis HaTeirah, revealing the Sham of the Teirah and the Nisham of Eden, which is all connected. Nisham unites. Materialism divides. In the language again of chapter 32 in Tanya, Pedic Lev, Pedic Love. What does he say there? He says like this, that the secret to love is nafshe ikir and gufe tofel. When a person makes his nefesh primary, his spirit, his soul, primary and the body secondary, the body includes all the materialism of, the, of this world, that's the secret to love. When it's the opposite way, that does not create love. That's about self-interest. Everybody's me, 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 me. So that is out. Uniquely united all people, Ashkenazim, Sfardim, Chassidim, non-Chassidim. Unique and rare. Because when you reveal the Neshama, you reveal Ahdus. So in the throes of the nine days comes the Arizal. And again, reminds us that yes, it's a sad period, but you have my strength and you have the strength of Am. So though we're not in Sfirah Seima, but the same idea, Rashbi, Mara de Zayar, he was the author of Zayar. Again, the And that's when the Magefa, the epidemic stops, like Boemer. Rajbi manifested, personified, Ardus, Avis Israel, Anon Milsa. So absolutely, these are the forces that remind us that even when things seem bleak, now we have these great giants whose yardsides stand for us and stand on our behalf in our stead, and give us strength to get through these nine days. Later in the Chassidus question, then we'll talk about the actual nine days. Why nine? Why the number nine? It is another question which follows this one. It is also said that Aaron was a man that always pursued peace and love. Can you cite a few examples of peace and peace treaties that Aaron was involved in. Well, Rashi from the Midrashim that we spoke about earlier talk about the fact why by Aaron it says Vayifku Kol Yisrael. All the children, all the all of Israel cried when Aaron passed away. By Moshe Rabbeinu, the great Moshe, it says Vayifku Kol Bnei Yisrael, all the sons of Israel. So Rashi citing Midrash says because even though of course Moshe Everyone grieved. But there was something that they distinctly felt when Aaron was passed. Because Aaron was to be around the people. And he would go out of his way to make shalom between husband and wife, between friends who quarreled. And it says he would go to one of them and say, you know the person, that person that you're having a fight with, said something about you really positive. And he would go to the other and say the same. So commentaries asked the question, what did he how could you do that? Was it true? Was it not true? So there's a statement, You're allowed to change something in order to bring peace. That's how powerful peace is. Some even say, You can even lie. The consensus, is also, this is not meant in any way with any malicious or ulterior motives. We're talking about Aaron. But regardless, we won't go into that detail right now. It's not relevant to this, for this discussion. That's what Aaron did. So there must have been hundreds of such cases as the Medr sites where Aaron would go and bring peace because people would suddenly he would focus on the positive. It's not like he said the, the negatives are not there, but he focused on the positive and that brought a kid of Levovis, a closeness, as I said, between husband and wife, between spouses, between friends. Oyev shalom v'reidav shalom. That was Aaron. Dearest Rabbi Jacobson, let's go to another question in this, all in this context. Thank you for your meaningful Sunday night broadcast and keep up the good work. I predict that when Mashiach comes, he will say your Sunday night broadcast was one of the reasons he came early because your broadcast honors the Rebbe 
and his teachings and inspires people to learn Torah by asking Torah and questions. Well, Halavai, thank you, very kind words. Halavai, that would be correct. My question is, we have a concept, Tzachgut Vedzangut. We're also taught, we're also taught that in Mashiach's times, the nine days in Tisha B'Av will be transformed into joyous holidays. It is understandable that until that day comes, we still have to abide by the rabbinic decrees to observe fast days. And as the Talmud states, when the month of Av begins, we diminish in public acts of joy, etc. But why can't we also emphasize the track good part? Think good part. And prepare and hope that this year's Tisha B'Av will be that day when the decree emanates from the roof of the Beis Amigdash, saying the time of your redemption has arrived. And therefore, while observing the current customs of mourning, every once in a while during the nine days, break out into the spontaneous dance for the anticipation of Mashiach's imminent arrival, may it be soon and without any obstacles, Amen Ken Yehiratsin. Well, that's exactly what the Rebbe emphasizes. That though, obviously, we recognize and we follow the guidelines that Teirah and Halacha say, but wherever possible, the Siyumim I mentioned, the Rebbe said, to add to and learning Hilchas Beis Abchira and the Rambam, Midas in the Mishnah, the Psukim, the verses in Yecheskel, and in every possible way to bring out the good, while also recognizing what we need to recognize. I remember Rishchidish of was a Fabringen, Tov Shalom Hey, 1975. And the Rebbe began the Fabrengen by saying that seemingly it's not a time for Fabrengen, it's the nine days. But then he cited Halach, he smiled and cited Halach and said that the din is that klezmer, klezemer, people who are musicians, who make a parnosa, a livelihood from playing music in the nine days, are allowed to play music. The Rebbe says, since my parnosa is to Fabreng, is to Sheikh Siddis, inspire, so that's why there's a justification. That's a perfect example. Wherever you can, you add in Simcha, all within the context of what Halacha says. So that's exactly the point of the whole thing. This is always critical, that even in the darkest moments, there's always that element. Look, when the Romans came in, when the Babylonians came in and destroyed the second, first temple, they saw that the Kruvim, the cherubs that were on top of the Odin on the Kapiris, the cover of the Ark, were facing each other. Now the Gemara says when they faced each other, it showed that, that the Jews were in God's favor. When they turned the others back to back, that showed it was not a good time. They were facing each other right when the temple is about to be destroyed. So Svarim bring and the Rebbe cites it, that yes, at that moment, was the deepest love. Right before the husband and wife, Hashem, and the Jewish people were going to part ways, be goli, in a revealed way because of golis. That is when you have the deepest intimacy. And the mere fact that God destroyed the temple, he poured out, he released his wrath on the etzim and avonim, on the wood and the stones, not on the people. So in the darkest moments, sometimes, not sometimes, always, is the greatest light. You don't always see it. That's why in Tisha B'Av we say Nachem by Mincha. That's when Mashiach is born. But we'll speak about that next week. And hopefully we will speak about it not with a fast day and all the negatives, only with the Gilead of Mashiach at the time. Okay. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, if someone was born during the nine days, are they prohibited from making a birthday party because these are days of sorrow where we are supposed to mourn instead of celebrating? And we know also the Rebbe's emphasis that making a fabrengen during a birthday. The answer is that anything that's halachically permitted, absolutely. If a person has a birthday, you should make a fabrengen. Obviously with the limits, 
about not eating meat and not having a over celebrations as in music and so on. But a fabrengen? It's a great time to fabreng. And on the contrary, that helps transform the days into joy. Again, all apialocha and permissive ways. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, sadly, every year during the nine days, there are some terrible car accidents, and members of the community are badly injured, or God forbid, worse. Well, first of all, we're just beginning the nine days, and we pray and hope that it won't happen. If you're talking about the past, I understand, so let's keep it to the past. I just need to immediately qualify that. Aside from the obvious, which is to make sure our cars are safe, to drive carefully and obey all road signs and laws, and not to speed, what are some things we can do spiritually to ensure that this summer there are none of these terrible events, accidents? Would it be relevant to put a mezuzah in our cars? Is that even permitted if we do so without saying a bracha while affixing it? May Hashem bless us all that this summer no terrible uh, things occur, and may it be a summer of only positivity and good news, especially the best good news, which is that Mashiach has arrived and actu- actually in our physical world. Amen. Amen to that. The nine days, yes, is a sad period. And, and people take care, whether about traveling, unnecessary traveling, or leisurely traveling. Not because God forbid something's going to happen. God protects all the time. But in time, certain times you lay low, so to speak. It's a time for more introspection. So of course, in addition to anything that we do prudently, we increase as much as possible with the most important protection of all is a connection to Hashem through faith, through betachen, through teirah mitzvahs. The Rebbe actually suggests people should have a mezuzah in their car. There's some notes from the Rebbe. You don't want to fix it on the car, but you have a mezuzah. There were those that walked with a mezuzah on a stick. There were people that had mezuzah on a table. So it's a good idea also to have a stucker pushka in the car. Like the Rebbe said, these are like helmets. A helmet helps protect. And in general, the more we connect to that which is connecting, cleaving to the God of life, the more strength we get, the more life we get. And that's how we have to focus. Let's not focus on the negative. That's how we look at these days. We follow what Torah says, but we're always looking to see how this is going to be redeemed into Geula, Mashiach, and Yehovchu, transformation. Okay. So this was a selection. I didn't do all of the questions, but quite a few of them. Do we have to only focus on the negative during these sad days? Someone else wrote about that. So I believe I answered that. So let's move now to this Parsha. We're now in the Parsha's Devarim. This week leads into Shabbos Parsha's Devarim, which is always Shabbos Chazoyin. The Shabbos before Tisha B'Av, Tisha B'Av will be next Sunday. So both Devarim, first of all, begins with Teichacha, with some rebuke in the beginning, not as elaborate as in Parsha B'Chukaisei or Parsha B'Kisavei, but still, so makes sense during this period of time. But quite a few questions came in about Parsha Dvorim, which is also Shabbos Chazain. So let me talk first about Dvorim, we'll talk about Chazain, which are really interconnected. This is the fifth book, we're beginning the fifth book of Chumash, Sefer Dvorim, which is called Mishnah Teda. Last week's Parsha, the Jewish people had arrived to the east bank of the River Jordan after 42 arduous and difficult journeys. And they're ready to enter the Promised Land. Sefer Dvarim begins on Rishchidosh Adar of that year, that 40th year. And Moshe speaks to the people. That's how the first Moshe. These are the words that Moshe spoke. The whole Sefer is Moshe speaking for 37 days. And it would conclude with the end of Sefer Dvarim, which is Zion Adar, that's 37, the 30 days of Shvat. Like he says, Be'echad the 10th month, which is Shvat, and going till the 7th of Adar. So in a way, this is Moshe's last statement, last will and testimony. 
and testament. And he goes over everything the Jews had experienced together with Moshe through the past 40 years. There are also additions, new halacha, new mitzvahs, new, te- new emphasis. The Ten Commandments are repeated. You have also psukim that don't exist before, like Shema Yisrael, all of Shema's in this Sefer. So very fundamental verses. So let's address a few questions that came in on this topic. And obviously in the context of also the period in which we are in now. Getting strength in times of darker times. Why is there the fifth book of Mishnah Torah? Why the need to repeat what was said earlier? More elaborately, we have been taught that every word in the Torah has a purpose. And not even one letter or crown above a letter is superfluous. Correct. Therefore, why did Moshe give a summary and repeat many of the laws and stories of the travel through the desert in the book of Devarim? Since they were already recorded earlier in the Torah, why need to repeat it? There must be a lesson here. What do you think the lesson is? Another person writes, is it the book of Devarim's job to introduce new laws or just to summarize the laws taught in the previous four books? Okay. So of course, you can imagine, like every detail in Torah is addressed and poured over and analyzed and evaluated and broken down. So briefly, it says in the Gemara, that the first four Sfarim, meaning or in the vernacular Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, is Mepi Hashem. Moshe wrote exactly what Hashem said. Mishnah Teda, which is called Repeat of Teda, is Mepi Meshe That's why Moshe speaks, not in the third person, that God spoke, he speaks in the, in the first person, I. I went up on the mountain. I experienced. So in Sfarim, in Sifri Kabbalah, Sifri Musa, Sifri Chassidus talk that there's a significance to this. The entire Torah was meant to be given as a blueprint from God, God's wisdom, God's mind, God's plan. Blueprint for existence. It's Alma. God looked into the Torah like an architect look at his blueprint. It's an example from the Medrash and the Zoyar. And he created the world. So the Tata serves like an interface, if you wish. If you want life's operator's manual. The operator, of course, is uh, God is the creator. The operator is, the world was given for a purpose. We are here. So it's like taking, when you buy buy a machine or appliance, you have an operator's manual. How to use it. The Tata tells us how to use this world. To follow and align and to be aligned with what God wants. But to do that effectively, you need two dimensions. You need to know what God wants, obviously, but you also need to translate it in a language that we can apply it. So it says, in the Sfarim, it says that the first four Sfarim is essentially representing God's words. The fifth Sefer is Moshe assimilating, meaning internalizing, and applying it Moshe was, of course, a boss of Adam, a human being. Yes, an Isha Lakim. But therefore, this fifth, as Teisva says, this fifth Sefer is Moshe speaking, in a sense, closer to the people and applying it in a deeper way. Moshe speaking to them, here's what we learned together, here's what we traveled, here's what we did. So it's taking the Teisva, it's still Teisva Hashem. Every letter, every word in Elad Advarim is God's word. But it's through the lens, if you wish, through the mouthpiece of Moshe. So in the first verse, Moshe also did the speaking. God spoke through him, but the emphasis is on Hashem. And here the emphasis is on the words as they travel from Moshe to the people. So in that sense, it fills that side of the interface. In addition, there are details. Not only details, there are new mitzvahs that we discover in the fifth Sefer. That may have been alluded to, but definitely not specific, specific, and some are repeat. And this is really a longer discussion of how Sefer Dvarim 
and its context to the four previous four. For example, Nasaris Adibris. The Ten Commandments are repeated, but instead of saying Zohar Hashem HaShabbos, it says Shomer Hashem HaShabbos. So we have Zohar and Shomer. And other nuanced changes. And there's reasons for it. It's actually a very fascinating sikha that the Rebbe gave on Yisrael, I believe, Tavshin Nun Aleph. Was it Nun Beis? Maybe in Tavshin Nun Beis. It's edited where he speaks the difference between the ten, first Ten Commandments and the second, the two, first Luchas and the second Luchas, which sometimes are compared to the two sets of the Ten Commandments. And each one, what they each one contribute. You could check that out as well. So that's a general gist of understanding Sefer Dvarim. The lesson to us is very clear. There's two parts to Teirah. That is Dvar Hashem. It's God's words. But also Hashem wants us to understand it. That's why Talmud Chochem, Shemochel al-Kvedi, Kvedi Mochel, the Gemara says. A scholar, a Teirah scholar, that forgoes his covet, this Mochel. Why? Because Teirah delehu. It's his Teirah. It became internalized in him. Nikras Hashmei. It's called in his name. But it's God's Teirah. But God wanted us to internalize, like he explains in Tanya, chapter 5, how Teiroschei B'Teich Meir, Teirah, is internalized. Seichel, hu ha-seichel, hu ha-maskel, hu ha-muskel. Because the mind gets completely united with that which it learns. Mitzvah is a levush, more like a garment. So Teirah is about internalizing, not just learning Teirah, but internalizing it. So Mishnah Teirah focuses on the internalization. Okay. Is Moshe Rabbeinu's final address to the nation in Parshas Dvarim similar to the Rebbe's Do All That You Can 28th of Nisan address? Okay, that's an interesting question. Um, I never thought of that. But you could say in some ways, yes. Because Moshe has many references where he says, where the, the, for example, the Psukim of that uh, the 40th year, Lev Ladas, after 40 years, till now you did not have the heart to understand that after 40 years, you come to really appreciate what the Rav says, your teacher. Psukim like that and are not distant, but they're relevant, close, accessible. So you could say there are similar similarities. We also know Moshe was the seventh generation from Avram, who built the Mishkan, and the Rebbe says clearly in his first Maimer. 70 years ago, that we're the seventh generation from the Alter Rebbe that will create Veshachanti Besecham. So you could say there are parallels in that uh, context, yes. More than that, this would require already a longer Fabrengen to see the parallels and what we learn from it. Okay. Next question regarding this. Who, who wrote the five books of, the, of, of Chumash? That has become known as the Torah, Torah Shabbiksav, meaning Chumash Torah Shabbiksav. There's also the other of the 24 Svarim. If Moses wrote it, how can we explain the parts where it talks about Moses passing at the end of Dvarim? Perhaps Moses wrote most of it, but Joshua wrote the ending after Moshe passed away. So this is actually a Gemara that asks this question. So we know like this the Torah is the Advar Hashem. The first four books is Mamish Dvar Hashem, and Moshe wrote what Hashem told him. Sefer Dvarim is still Dvar Hashem, but it's through Moshe's words. Okay. Then Agachavar even discusses the Rebbe Hasichas on this topic, that whether Dvarim has the same authority, it definitely has full authority, but is it more like Nevuah of Moshe, or is it still like Chachm of the Ebeshter? There's a discussion on this matter. But then the Gemara asks, what about the end of Dvarim? Moshe is writing about his own passing. So the Gemara has two answers. One is that Yeshua wrote the last psukim where it talks about Moshe's passing. The second opinion is that Hashem spoke and Moshe wrote with his tears. So it says with his tears. Leaving this world, leaving his people. Not having brought Mashiach in the full sense of the word. So that's the answer. We always want to apply this to our lives. So there are many ways you can learn lessons from this. Now, one is Yeshua's already, like the next generation writing it. Moshe's still, Moshe's writing it. There's the qualities in each one. But we'll suffice with what I've said. And let me see, is there more about this topic? Okay. Good. <clears throat>
So, regarding the different unfortunate events that have happened in the Surfside, other events. Now, we spoke about last week about anger people have to God. Why? It's almost like a Chil Hashem. If you don't do it for yourself, at least do it for us. If you don't do it for us, do it for yourself. You know, the fact that Hashem, a good Hashem, and you see what's happening. So there was a letter I read last week, which I hesitated reading, but I felt I wanted to just allow expression of people's frustration, and maybe, you know, Hashem, I'm sure, heard it already, but he's probably listening to this program as well. So I thought it's appropriate to, to you know, nothing wrong, a child cries to a parent, it's not always rational, but and not always respectful even. But it was good to hear that. But interesting, I received a follow-up letter from, some, from someone, that, a letter I read last week. And I want to read it. He's asked me to read it, actually. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, I feel the need to apologize to you and your viewers. Last week you read an anonymous note that I had emailed which I wrote in the wake of a series of tragedies that sadly hit our community. In the spirit of Avis Yisrael, I felt personally hurt that my fellow Jews suffered terrible accidents in Miran, in Stalin, and in Surfside, Miami. I used your forum to express my outrage that God could allow these tragedies to happen. Although my outrage was justified, I unfortunately used harsh language that was disrespectful to God to the Torah and to the audience who turned in to hear your words, or I'm sorry, to hear words of Torah and not to hear an angry rant about me threatening to shoot arrows at God if he doesn't start raining the blessed blessings on the community instead of tragedies. I am sincerely sorry and I apologize to anyone who was offended. I will try my best not to do that again. The best way to guarantee that I don't do it again is for God to take away any further planned tragedies. Chazrashalom and transform them in advance into blessings for every Jew individually and collectively as a community. And may these blessings rain down in a revealed manner. Amen. Okay. Just as I read last week's, I'm reading this week's, and maybe it's even more appropriate. Thank you. You know, I'm very personally humbled in a way when I read these letters. And uh, because, you know, what should I say? If you really care and you feel for another, and you see sadness, you see people suddenly, parents, siblings, or others have been ripped away from them. Children, God forbid, illness. And yes, you can always say people aren't perfect, but at the end of the day, we are told that Hashem is like a parent. And you cry to a parent. There's nothing wrong with crying. You don't have to regulate and control your emotions when you're talking to your own father or mother. You know, when you hear the the sikhs the Rebbe spoke, those many, many sikhs for hours on end, the anguish, you could see the Rebbe was crying to God. You know, Ad Mosai, the beautiful Zashir. You know, we all go back to our lives and we have all our distractions and so on. But moments of truth we all have at times, especially when there's a crisis, when there's a trauma, the Rebbe was acutely sensitive all the time. I mean, who, can, who cannot forget? Who can forget? Who can forget? And who cannot remember? We always remember the words that the Rebbe spoke after Mrs. Lapine was so tragically murdered. I mean, very hard to hear the Rebbe. The Rebbe speaking words and said words he never used before. That you have to be careful in Kehelis before you open your mouth when you speak about Hashem. And yet the Rebbe used those verses. This was right in Tavshinun Bey, just weeks before the Rebbe had a stroke. You could see the pain. In what a true leader is like. He's not detached, he's not separate. Moshe Rabbein, he went in, felt the pain of his brethren, of his brothers and sisters. So that is why I more leeway when it comes to things like this. You want to let people cry out. Obviously, be careful to be respectful, but I really appreciate your writing and, uh, and responding in this way. Um, not that I expected it and not that I anticipated it, but it's good to hear because it means you're thinking and you're processing and you're growing through it. And you should always continue to grow and all of us should continue to grow. 
You know, though there's been a focus in this program, particularly a sad of things, the nine days surfside, and we all feeling that pain. I just want to also talk about a little more upbeat in many ways because that was what the Rebbe taught us about these days. I just felt, just taking the pulse of people, that there's a need also to cry a bit. So I want to conclude here with the Chassidus question. Why are there exactly nine days? And everything is bediuk, everything is precise. Why nine days? Why not eight days? Why not seven days? It wasn't just because it took nine days from Rosh Chodesh till they destroyed the Beis Amikdash. And this is connected, interestingly, to something really powerful. In Sefer Yitzhiri, he says, by the Esesphere is blima, ten spheres without substance. What does he say? Eser v'loy echad oser, eser v'loy teisha, eser v'loy echad oser. Ten and not nine, and ten and not eleven. Meaning exactly ten. But he says ten and not nine. I actually wrote an article after 9-11, 9-11. Not 9, not 11. That those events were an imbalance. 10 is the misper hasholem. It's a round number, it's a balanced number. And as such, it reflects completion, a perfect harmony, a perfect circle. The Svarim, the Ramilis Hayigoyen from the Rambam and other places, and the, Ram, the Ramak in Pardis, they explain why 10 Reish Teich Seif, three times three is nine, and then the complete picture. When something is lacking, the complete circle, that would be nine, or in addition, we're going to talk about nine, it means there's something fundamental, like what's missing? So the Esosphere, as we know, goes from Chochme to Malchus. Sometimes Keser is counted, you don't count Das. But Chochme to Malchus or Keser to Malchus. When you have no, ten and not nine, you have the complete picture. A human being needs all ten faculties, needs all ten attributes. What's missing in the nine days? Malchus. It's a pegam in Malchus. The language of the Arizal, Ayirideh in Malchus. Ayirideh Atsuma. In the Maimar I mentioned from Eter, Nachmu Eter, Tafeshayan. He talks about this, the Yirideh in Malchus. The Besamidosh is Malchus. What's Malchus? Malchus is the bridge between Atzilus and Biyah. This is where the Kedush, Beis Amikdash, the Kedush Kedoshim. Malchus of Atzilus becomes the Kesa, the crown of Biyah. And what happened when the Beis Amikdash was destroyed? Malchus was affected most. The Makabal. So Chassidus talks about there's the Tzimtzumarishim, there's the Shvira Sakalim, the shattering of the containers. Then there's the Miyatalavona, the diminishing of the moon, the Pagam of the moon, the wound of the moon, Malchus. And that's why the moon goes through its fluctuations. This is how the Arizal explains, and the Maimorim explain, and Eter and the Rebbe has quite a few Maimorim on this topic. That that's why Tuba'ov, as I mentioned before, is going to be the greatest holiday. Comparable to Yom Kippur. Because it's the moon. And he asked the question, what do you mean? Every month is a full moon. Understand, full moon is Yichud Shimsha Vesira. Kaimasira the moon is complete. It's the Yichud of Shemesh, Zoh, and Malchus. The diminished moon and the new moon or the diminished moon shows that Malchus is weak. But when the full moon, it's still not as full as it will be. When Mashiach comes and the moon will be as strong as the sun like it was in the beginning of creation before the diminishment, and even greater, as Chassidus brings from Eitz Chaim. But at least the full moon shows, fully reflecting the sun, the angle toward the earth. So he says, every month you have that. Pesach is on the 15th of the month, Sukkot is on the 15th of the month, Purim is on the 14th, 15th of the month. But they didn't follow a Yeridic Dele, they didn't follow the descent, the wound, the injured Malchus, the injured moon. Tishabov, nine, ten and not nine. Nine but not ten is missing the Malchus. So therefore Tubov represents that the direct proportion to the descent, you have the great ascent, the great holiday. 
What is that in Avedis Hashem in our Avedis? Malchus represents Malchus Dekait, feeling like a king, like a queen. We'll call it dignity. You can have all the nine spheres. You could be wise and have Chachma Bina, Das, or Keser Chachma Bina. You could have Chesed, you could be an emotionally intelligent creature, an emotionally evolved and developed person. Chesed, Gvurit, Teferis, Netzach, Hejjaseid. Seems complete. What, what are you lacking? But if you don't have self esteem and you don't have dignity and self confidence, look at people, they have all those faculties and they can be geniuses and they can be brilliant emotionally, brilliant and, intelle- and, and intellectually, cognitively. When you're lacking malchus, you're lacking the core of what makes you a human being. Yes, the world continued to exist after the base of Mishra was destroyed. But the bridge, the Shara Shamayim, the gate, the bridge between heaven and earth, that was compromised. And as a result, this compromise, that was the problem. Malchus. Ragler Yerdes Lamato. So Zoch Siddhis explains the Midas, the Meichin. These are all the revelations. These are the faculties. But you can't give birth to a child without Malchus, without the feminine womb. Malchus, the Altareb explains in the Geras Akedr Simachov, is represented by earth. Things You can't plant a seed in the sky. And it won't grow. It's Dafkin Malchus that things grow. They give birth. They blossom. So the malchus of every level goes into the next level. Beis Hamikdash was malchus. So yes, they continue to live and they continue to serve Hashem. But until you don't have the full bridge between Atzilus and Bia, between godliness, in Tachtainim, in this world, there's something lacking. Malchus has been wounded. And you see it when people are hurt whether it's form of abuse, violated, ignored, all the things that affect us psychologically and emotionally, it's that our very dignity, the very humanity of who we are, has been somewhat compromised, betrayed. When a mother looks at her child, a newborn child, and a father cradles the child, they're telling the child, you matter. God sent you to this world. You're valuable. All psychological maladies, all issues, all come down to that we don't feel that we value, we're, va- we're valuable or indispensable. And as a result, we're looking for an identity, we're looking for value, we're looking for love, we're looking for validation, we're looking for others' approval. So Malchus is not just a spiritual level, it's a critical component that you matter, that you're valuable. Tishabov represents a pagam, a wound and an injury in that very core malchus dikait that you are. So malochim heim, b'nei malochim heim, were kings, queens, princesses, princes and princesses. Atam tili mamleches kodesh. You are a kingdom of princes and a holy nation. Sometimes it says children of malochim, sometimes it says malochim. The sense of isnasus, of value, not, not arrogance, that you have quality, that essentially what makes you a human being a certain element of ge'en yankov, of pride, healthy pride, humble pride. When that's wounded, and that in some ways betrayed, you have destruction. So it's nine lacking the tenth. Rebuilding of malchus is the key. We say it also during the time of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. What do we call that? The 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Binyan HaMalchus. The rebuilding and the building of Malchus. How does that fit into this? Very straightforward. Where was Moshe Rabbeinu and then Tishabov? After the Chet Egel. Moshe received the Matan receives the Teda and Har Sinai, the beginning of Sivan, 50 days after they left Egypt. He spends 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain. So it's 90 days since they left Egypt. He comes down, they built a golden calf, completely betraying God. Moshe goes back on the mountain the second time, begs for forgiveness, but he's not successful. It's not Yemei Ratzin. Comes down a third time, comes down a second time, and goes back on Rishchei Shell. Different opinions, the first day, second day. 
spends the final 40 days and finally prevails on Yom Kippur. God says, I've forgiven them as you've spoken. So where was he Tishabov? That was the middle days. He went up on Zion Thomas is when he shattered the tablets after the building of the golden calf. The next three weeks, the three weeks and the nine days, Moshe is on the mountain trying to get God's forgiveness. We don't know many details, we just know that it was not successful yet. That was Tishabov. That was Moshe's Tishabov trying to get forgiveness from Hashem. And what was he trying to regain? That Malchus, the Malchus, the connection of a king and his children, a king and his princes and princesses. Finally, in the month of Elul, which is built from Av, we will talk about this in coming weeks. Aryeh, the Mazel of Av, is a is a acronym. El Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Because from Av, from Aryeh, you build Elul, the compassion. So the ten days between Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the last ten days of Moshe being on the mountain, are being Malchus. He's rebuilding Malchus. The Malchus that was injured, the Malchus that was broken. It also has other meanings, the Malchus of Rosh Hashanah, New Year. But that year, and then when he found the Yom Kippur, gains forgiveness, comes down with the second tablets. Lo yom tevim that's the connection. Because they're both coming to repair the malchus that was injured. And in personal terms, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you've experienced, even if your own dignity and your confidence and sense of self and value has been somewhat compromised, there's no such thing as all lost, as we spoke about in the beginning of this program. Yes, Tishabov is nine. But then we have the power to correct, repair, and rebuild our dignity, our connection. And that's the work we need to do. The rebuilding of Malchus. Getting back to the 10th. And then we come to the 15th day of the month, full moon, and things begin to blossom. So with that, my dear friends, the second day of the month of Menachem of Menachem, consolation, comfort. This has been My Life Chassidah Supplied, episode 362. Next week, Mr. Hashem, we're going to do a special Tishabov edition, literally at the conclusion of Tishabov. And meanwhile, may we merit to the Gula Amitis Vashlema that we've seen enough, we've heard enough, and let us finally transform these days. May these days be transformed. And we do our part in our transformation of never letting the negative to control us. To always know there's more. You may not see it, but there's more to the story. As one person who once suffered wrote to me, at the end all will be good. And if it's not good, it means it's not the end. So the story is not over. Let us celebrate together. There's much to celebrate, to appreciate the blessings of our lives. Nachas from our children and our grandchildren, from ourselves. May Malchus shine forth. The Malchus, the Ke'in Yankiv, the spirit, the pride of every individual man, woman, child. May we do our part in cultivating that through connecting with each other. When you love someone, you're building their Malchus. That's it. That's what it is. When you're kind to someone, when you validate them, when you show the respect, which is so vital. And then, of course, in these days, we had the opposite of baseless dislike to rise above all these disagreements. Imagine if we could have an ability to just make up and reconcile and connect with our loved ones, with those that are close to us, even those that are not close to us. So we're here every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. My life, Chesidah Supplied. Chesidahsupplied.com is a website where you have all the resources you need you have all the archives of these previous programs, a place, a forum to submit any question, any comment. Nothing is off limits, nothing is taboo. You also have there all the previous year's essays and creative submissions, which I will continue to read in the coming weeks, and other resources in learning chassidus and teaching chassidus 
I also teach a daily IM Base class, which you're welcome to join. Just go to imbase.com or chsidisapply.com. Go to IM Base, and you can join the classes. They're all recorded. There's texts that go along with it. Meanwhile, everyone have a very simchadikah, according to the way we could reveal the deeper simcha of these days. And it should be Yehovchiyom Meil Lasasana Simcha Lamaidim Tevi. Be well, call to